Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. guys welcome to tell me your tales this is episode nine of the road to berlin podcast series and before i push play on this conversation tonight i'm just going to inform you that it is a bit sketchy all over the place production wise it um has a few people in the background doing dishes or throwing some things around not really sure where that was coming through probably uh brad or julian definitely wasn't my end there's some cats um meowing there is you know a couple of partners demanding their boyfriends get off the podcast and uh, get onto the couch to watch game of thrones but they're all things that just uh, happen in our life so i'm not really apologizing for them because this is just a free podcast that we put together each week giving up a bit of our time and sharing you in with a conversation so i expect that now and then the quality might be a bit sketchy And I think in a way people do tune in for that raw and genuine kind of conversation that you do get each week in these podcast series. I just thought I would, um, yeah, let you know before we hit play on it. So if background noise is something that does do your head in or you do like your production top notch, maybe this isn't the episode for you, but still so much value in it. A good recap, we didn't hit a topic this week because we're a bit short on time. But next week we're planning to hit injury, so we've had a couple of emails come in asking about that. In a way, we kind of do hit it this week with uh, Brad and my kind of little injury niggles the past uh, seven days. Anyway, hope you enjoy the show. Uh, As I said, a review on iTunes, I say this every week, would be really appreciated. It just means that we get higher in some charts and more people get the opportunity to come across the show. Anyway, guys, enjoy episode nine, the Road to Berlin marathon, eight weeks out from race day. Cheers. At nine o'clock, I dropped fart. It happened of itself. <laughs> you know, and all, all these pious Western devotees, you know, kind of put their handkerchiefs in their mouths and try not to laugh. <laughs> Radio gentlemen, here we go again. Eight weeks out from the Berlin Marathon. How are we both? Feeling good. Feeling good. Uh, better than last week. Better than last week, Brad. That's a positive. You kick us off. Get straight into things. All right. So uh, when we last spoke, I hadn't run for two days. I took Saturday and the Sunday off. Um, so I was just battling this tendonitis in my ankle. Um, Tested it out on Monday and it felt pretty good. Got through 50 minutes at um, 4.09. So I, I didn't feel great running and I don't know if it was a combination of just having two days off. I find as I get a little bit older, um, missing days, I, my body just doesn't like it anymore and I just start to stiffen up or it could also be the mental side of things that, you know, I was a bit bit down in the dumps and just not, um, I guess I get a lot of confidence from ticking boxes in my training and just getting, even if the sessions aren't great, just getting through a full week of training, I get, get a lot of confidence from that. So when you start sort of missing days and not following the plan, um, it sort of affects me a little bit mentally. So that was Monday. Tuesday, went out for 60 minutes and it was it was sore but manageable. Um, it never got to the point where I had to change my stride and that's, that's always a point with me. If, 
if I have to change the way that I run, I'll stop. So it was sore, but okay. Um, but on Tuesday, I decided that I'd try and get in to see the doctor on my day off on Wednesday and hopefully get a cortisone and, and get it sorted. But I, I couldn't get in and see him until Monday. So at that point, um, the coach and I decided that we'd take a chance and try and train through until we saw the doctor on Monday. Um, and then hopefully see him, get a jab and, you know, miss a day or two and get back into it. So I went out on Wednesday and got through 50 minutes at four tens and it felt felt fine. So it was just really temperamental. Um, so we decided to do a session on Thursday and um, that session was 8K progression. So the plan was to, to basically um, descend it every two kilometres. So start off at 3.30s work down to 325s, 320, and then 315s, and ended up doing that at, um, so started off 328s for the first 2K, 323s for the second, 316s for the third 2K, and then 310s for the last 2K. So it ended up being 8K at 319s, and the foot was good. Um, I didn't feel... I didn't feel awesome running, not not compared to the week before where, you know, I was doing sort of 12K tempos at 320s and um, the minor fart leg. I, I just didn't, I guess I hadn't done a session in almost a week and um, I guess mentally, like I was still focusing on my foot a bit and it's really hard to, I guess, enjoy the session and, um, you know, run well when you sort of got a bit of a niggle at the back of your mind. Um, so then Friday, went out in the morning, for 70 minutes and uh, foot was sore for the first five or 10, but then it, it went away. Um, and I actually started to feel really good, like the best I'd felt all week um, in terms of just the way I was moving across the ground. So um, that was positive. Um, went down to the South Coast Friday afternoon and got out 9K and some strides and foot was a little bit niggly, but nothing that, you know, it was no worse than it had been all week. And then, um, Saturday, I put on a I put on a new pair of shoes for like for the session that I was going to do, and I ran 200 meters, 200 meters into my warm up, and it was the worst pain I'd had since I got the injury. And I'm like, this just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. So I stopped and was almost ready to turn around and um, walk home and can the weekend. And I thought to myself, it doesn't hurt when I walk around barefoot, but it hurts when I put the shoes on. So I basically just ripped out half the laces and ended up just doing up the laces to sort of, I guess, my midfoot, and I haven't had a pain ever since. So, um, yes, I'm glad I did that because I got through the warm-up. Um, session was nine by two minutes with a one-minute float and uh, basically averaged 256 to 257 for the two-minute on and 317s for the float. So that got me just under 9K at 303s. Um, That's and good. It was, a, it was a hard session, but I felt pretty strong. Um, I, like, it, it was down at, down at the coast. That's, I always find it's a bit easier down there. I don't know if it's, one, the sea level, but also the loop that I run that session on, it's about 1.4K around the block, and I reckon it... I reckon the Garmin's a bit generous with how fast you run. Um, yeah. But, it, you know, like, it was for me, it was still a good session. And, and even if even if it was um, even if it was telling me I was running, I don't know, five seconds a K faster than what I actually was, you know, I still had average 308 for that session or whatever. So, um, yeah, it was, was still a step in the right direction. Um, got out for 35 minutes that afternoon at 410s. Um, and then yesterday, um, it was super hot down the coast. It was um, uh, it was close to 20 degrees when I started my run, and about 25 when I finished. And um, I did it fasted. And where I run th through the bush down the coast, it's quite hilly. So I ended up doing 36k at 407s, but um, I hit the wall massively. I I got about an hour 50 in, and I don't know if it was. It's probably a combination of the heat, a bit of dehydration, um, having run a fair bit in the last two days. And I was probably really depleted when I first started. Um, but luckily, an hour 50 into the run, I, I saw Viv. She was um, heading back and she had a gel. I, I, didn't, I didn't have a gel with me, but um, 
yeah, luckily she hadn't used the gel and so she gave it to me and um, pretty much from an hour 50 to two hours 30, I was like, um, I was pretty delirious. Like from from my hips down was just went numb um, and I was only knowing whether to stop because I thought I was going to end up in a ditch because I was just so... Uh, I yeah, you know what it's like when you hit the wall, where yeah. you just you not you don't think you just don't think straight. Um, yeah. But I thought to myself, eh, there's a chance that I'll get like this in a marathon, so I may as well just try and embrace it and see how long I can push through for. And so I ended up running for 40 minutes in that sort of depleted state where I was a bit of a mess. Um, but after I took the gel, uh, I had probably two or three k. It was pretty ordinary, and then I, I wouldn't say that I ever felt great towards the end but um the pace that i was running at certainly improved after i had the gel so yeah that was 36k at 407s um with like 600 meters of climbing and um yes 148k for the week which if this time last week you said i was going to run 148k and get through two sessions and run 36k on sunday i, I would have definitely taken it so um and since i've unloaded since I've unloaded that tendon with like just changing my shoelaces, the tendons really started to heal um, pretty well. So it doesn't hurt to touch anymore. And I ended up canceling my doctor's appointment that I was meant to have today. So um, yeah, it's all positive. So you reckon it was that pressure from the shoe rubbing against that spot? Yeah, and I reckon it, because initially it started more on the out. So it was all right in that ankle joint, but initially it started more on the lateral side and then um, a couple of days later, it was more sort of tib ants or more medial. But I reckon if I had done that from day one, I probably wouldn't have missed anything at all. So, um, yeah, the, yeah, I think I think like the um, the injury isn't caused by the shoes. Otherwise, why haven't you had it all the time? It's just that when it gets angry, the shoes make it a lot worse. Um, so yeah, I, I've had that before as well, where I've had the exact same issue and I fixed it in the exact same way. Yeah. So it's really interesting. But, it, I mean, if if, if it was a, a shoe thing, then it would happen every time you ran. Yeah, I guess it's more maybe one of the runs I just did my laces too tight, something like yeah. that. You didn't um, think to tell Brad that a couple of weeks ago, Julian, when he first started <laughs> struggling with it? <laughs> he has to come to my store for that, that sort of advice. You have to go in the back but of the van for that stuff. You don't get that at the Nike fucking outlet. <laughs> I'm um, I'm so glad though that I decided because I like I was so close to turning around and walking the 250 meters back to the house and just going, you know what? I'm just going to sit the weekend out and see the doctor on Monday. How's so, that? And then you um, pretty much banged out 10k at 30 30 pace. Yeah, yeah, and then <laughs> um, yeah, ended up running. I think uh, it was about 65k for the weekend. So it was a pretty big weekend in the end. Um, mm. Wow. Yeah. That's good. Good signs. So, are you thinking of just keeping that shoelace like that for for like a while, or are you going to progress back to doing your shoelaces up properly? Yeah. So I I um, laced it up an extra rung this afternoon, and then but then before I started running, I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to risk it. The tendon's not a hundred percent yet, so I kept it the same today, and uh, I might try and go back to sort of normal. Once, once the tendon's completely pain-free to touch, I reckon I'll go back to um, normal laces. Yeah, right. Because that's not you can't do that for eight weeks. That's not sustainable, is it? Uh, it's not too bad. The only issue I had was maybe my foot was just moving around a little bit more. Like it just probably wasn't locked in quite as well, um, which has meant that I'm going to lose two nails. So my second toes on both feet, I'm going to lose a nail there, I think. But that's a small price to pay. <laughs> What gets me about your week when you've got a little niggle is um, the pace you can still continue to jog at. Like you were still banging all those like sore runs at four oh nines, four tens, four twelves. Like pretty um, still at a nice quick pace. Yeah, like I, I, as I said before, if if the injury gets to the point that I have to actually change the way that I run, whether it be like I start to have a bit of a limp or that, that's when I pull the pin. Um, and so I guess the pain was never. It, was, it never deteriorated that bad. Um, the only time it got that bad was that 250 metres into the warm-up because it, it was really, really sore. That There's no way I could have even run two more kilometres of that. that, that. But, um, so, 
Yeah. Hey, give us an update on Viv as well. Did she uh, survive the long run or yeah. just someone stole her gel and she didn't make it back? <laughs> no, she's good. She only had 10 minutes to go and um, she was travelling a lot better than I was. She, she got through two hours 10 yesterday, so that's been her longest run since Canberra. Yeah, good. Um, which is pretty good considering, you know, it's quite hilly through there. Yeah. So I, believe you've, I believe you've run down there, um, Jules. Yeah, mate. I stayed, um, I was camping at, I think it was Pretty Beach. Yeah. Uh, which is kind of on, a, you, we can link, you can link up the Pretty Beach. It's a pretty long one though. Um, yeah. I was coming back from injury actually, so I didn't do a great deal. But yeah. I, I, I went up a mountain there, I reckon. Yeah, the Mount Doris. There's um, yeah, yeah, like yeah. some great trails there, and like it's as as you know, it's not flat. No, no way. It's real hilly, especially yeah. on those dirt roads out there. So I'd love to do more runs out there in the lead up to a marathon. I reckon it makes you really strong. Um, well, but, yeah, but, your, your your long runs like exactly the same as my long run in terms of uh, the hill, like the the elevation that you got. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but to put it in perspective, I ran um, the week before Gold Coast Brady. I ran pretty much the same long run that I did on Sunday, but the div- and about ten seconds a k faster than I did it yesterday. But I reckon the difference was, and we spoke about it in one of the podcasts, was um, that week I did a session on the Friday, just jog Saturday, then did the long run on the Sunday, and it's amazing how much better you feel with that extra day of just recovery as opposed to a hard session on Saturday and then trying to do a, do a long run faster. Like, the hard session on a Saturday obviously just depletes you so much um, yeah. that it makes makes Sunday a hell of a lot harder. My coach always says you shouldn't be able to smash your Sunday long run if you've done Saturday well. Yeah. Like, it's it's yep. one or the other. Like, you got to – yeah, if you want to do a Sunday session or a, a faster long run, you got to back off Saturday. It's just a no-brainer. Yeah. Yeah, it's, hard. it's almost stupid to do. I try to do them both hard, and or do them both at seventy yeah. percent, and then you get no value out of either of them. Yeah. Either well, yesterday wasn't meant to be hard, and it wasn't. It wasn't super quick, but it ended up being a hard run just with the heat and um, just running out of glycogen. I reckon that's pretty solid. That'd be as good as like a three fifty, three forty five kind of pace on the flat, though, wouldn't it? Uh, yeah, I guess so. Probably. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah, game. definitely. Yeah. Right. Julian, let's. Uh, anything else, Brad? Feeling good? So, like, yeah, medical uh, appointments cancelled. Yeah. So no. Med- I had a massage yesterday, and um, my soft tissue therapist said that body feels pretty good, and um, even the Tiban area. He said there's not too much to worry about there. So, um, yeah, full steam ahead. So I got a couple of uh, big sessions this week, and a, a fast finish long run on Sunday. Oh yeah, we're getting into the gritty stuff now. This is uh, this is yeah. business time. <laughs> yeah. All right, Julian, over to your True. week. State 15K champs, it was all about that, wasn't it? Oh, actually, the week wasn't all about that, really. Uh-huh. Like, that was in the week, but it wasn't a big deal. Like, it was nice to ra- do a race, but I didn't back off in any way or I didn't um, recover especially for it. So um, it wasn't the focus of the week, really. It was probably just the event of the week. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I just treated the week as as normal, really. So I ran on Monday a couple of times, um, just easy, and then Tuesday a couple of times, easy again. Uh, it's quite simple, really. Was that because um, you didn't? Because that because you did the session on the Sunday, you didn't do a session on the Tuesday. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm I'm going to be rolling with the Sunday Wednesday from here on, for most weeks here on in. I reckon. Um, uh, so I, I like it too because I'm like I'm sitting here pretty smashed right now after the weekend, and there's no way I'd be doing a session tomorrow, especially not a 20k pluser. So one more day recovery means you can kind of feel better for your workout. Um, and I I miss those. You do three workouts a week. You're not getting that many like 10 mile easy runs in around it, and I like them so. If I do two sessions a week with a couple more longer, longer easy runs, then that's that's making me happy anyway. Um, so yeah, on um, Tuesday I just jogged. Then Wednesday I did um, I did a track session that I like to do in my marathon build up, which is twenty four hundreds with a really short rest. And it sounds really difficult, but 
it is, it's not as hard as it looks. So have you guys ever done that session? Yeah. Done 16, 16 not 20. Similar. Build into a 10K, I think I did. Maybe 15. I don't know if I did 20, but, yeah, I've definitely done more than the, like, standard 10 or 12 before. But, yeah, maybe not 20. Yeah. I guess 20, it, it only – is it just a – it's a mentally tough one because you're out there on the track for so long and the rest is so short that it's it's just a rhythm thing. You just really kind of got to – the way I looked at it, at, at 8K, I felt like I was halfway through a marathon and I'm thinking, God, this thing's never going to end. Um, and so you, you just sort of get comfortable with ticking them off and even as you get more tired, just keep ticking them off, less rest. And I think if you worked it out, you probably run about – well, it's definitely quicker than my 10K pace. 8K worth of running at about my 5 to, to, to probably 8K pace, really. Um, so it works out not massively difficult. Um, it's just a fatigue thing towards the end. So that was good. It was shit day as normal. Windy, wet, solo. <laughs> kind of getting used to that now. Um, and, yeah, so... I found a new podcast. If anyone likes other podcasts, I got it recommended. A mate of mine recommended this one called Revisionist History, and it's it's really cool. It's by Malcolm Gladwell. He's and, a big um, track and field fan, Gladwell. Did you know that? Yeah, well, I don't know. I didn't know that he was a fan, but I think um, he wrote or he he authored ten ten thousand hours, didn't he? Uh, yeah, and the tipping point, and there's a few blink. He's got a few books, David and Goliath. Um, yeah, some really good books. Right, I haven't actually read any of his books. This is sort of my. First. He's got a very soothing voice, though. Oh, he's good. Wow. He, he makes us look terrible on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the yeah. amount of production that goes into that is like phenomenal. Oh, there's like eight people that get around it, yeah. edit it, and produce. Yeah, but it's worth it. It's very nice, it's smooth, good stories um, as well. I've only listened to two. The Saigon has been the pick of them. That was pretty cool. Um, anyway, yeah, so I did Run Club that evening. We had a decent, really good group. Then I ran with um, Watto on Thursday morning, just easy. Um, Thursday night was easy. Friday was just easy. Lots of easy running. It's good. I like that. <laughs> And then, yeah, the race was on Saturday and it was a, I mean, we all know, I don't know whether the winds hit up north, but they were really solid down here. So on Saturday, Melbourne was actually worse than um, Ballarat for once, but there was still about 50k an hour winds and around Lake Wenderee pretty exposed in spots. So the race <clears throat> was a little bit different to how other races could go down um my plan before i started was to try to stay as close to the front group as i could and when it started to pick up that i would just be there and i would just be at the back of the front group every time and i didn't like it's okay to think that but then you look at who's actually in the front group and you go oh this is my spot <laughs> i can't really hold on to these guys they're actually totally different playing field to me so give us some names um oh the top four were liam adams who won the race olympian um mitch brown came second who is 13 30 something guy i believe um uh, nick earl was third and he's on fire and then andy buchanan who obviously won the state cross country and is really fit and um, there so, was a huge, yeah. there was a huge group. That, like there was much more people than that there, though, wasn't it? That you'd surround yourself with pretty kind of similar clientele. It, there was for the first. It went out quite slow, and so everyone was just looking around, thinking who's going to actually do something. And then it sort of popped off. I think Nick Earl made a move, and um, the other blokes just covered it. And then there was a spot where you had to make a decision whether to go or not. And I kind of thought, oh, okay, I'll try. And then didn't really last very long, maybe a kilometre. And, and then came back and then the guys, um, I ran with Craig Appleby and Ben Ashkettle and Matthew Johnson for 
probably the whole lap. Um, and then Ben and um, Apples took off and, and myself and Matt, we, we couldn't really stay with them. So we, he did a lot of work into the wind and then I sort of had to go and we dragged ourselves around for a little bit, probably till about the 12K mark. And then uh, we could, oh, well, Matt sort of pushed away from me a little bit and I could hear all these, <laughs> these footsteps behind, which is not a good sign. And the, um, a pack of about six guys came up, I reckon, and a couple went around quite quickly and another pack formed and then, yeah, it, I, I ended up holding on okay, but I got beaten by a fair few guys from the third pack, which was disappointing. Um, but then when I look at the actual race, like I thought that I'm, I'm, I must have blown up a lot. Um, but I wasn't too bad, and I just I was just a little tired at the end. I didn't really slow down too much, but I I didn't fully get dropped. Like towards the end, there were a, a couple of slow Ks, but that that fourteenth kilometer was a three eighteen, which isn't ideal. But it um and then three seventeen for the fifteenth, but that was into the that was right into the the headwind through there, so. It, it wasn't as bad as it looks. Um, probably the real, real worry was the 319. But again, solid headwind right into that. Um, anyway, I, I think I came 11th and everyone in front of me was a really good runner. So I was, I was pretty happy. <laughs> but it's more, it's more about the effort as well. Like you would have pushed a hell of a lot harder doing that race than you would have in training. So maybe in a week or two, you'll actually get the benefit of that hard effort. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was towards the end. I was thinking, uh, I'm really my, my mind's not on this either. I wasn't. I, I was working in the morning, so we had a van down at the event, and um, I had to fill the van, prepare it, and and then I was down at the event talking to people before the race, and then we had to basically get changed, go for a quick jog, and, and get to the start line. And so I wasn't in the zone whatsoever. I wasn't ready to race and I, my head wasn't in it. And I think that played a big part in sort of <clears throat> the middle patches. I actually started to think about, oh, I should get back to the van. I wonder if anyone wants to buy anything. Um, and, and I'm thinking this, this is silly. Like next time, no work. This is the day where I focus. I practice my pre-race routine and I, I do the – like I go to work basically. That's how I look at it. Racing is is putting the um, getting in the zone and, and actually racing. So uh, I wasn't very happy about that side of it. But you're right. This will come through. And um, I ran 170 something k this week. So it's, it's still a really good week. Yeah, on race week as well. Like we have a race there. Like that's that's solid stuff. Yeah, I was, imp- I, was, I was impressed with your weekend, Jules. Not like the race, not not only the race, but then like a really solid long run yesterday, and then a solid afternoon run. Like that's um, how was your Sunday afternoon run? Oh, oh it was shit. Talk us through <laughs> Sunday morning before you do that. Uh, Sunday morning, yep. So we got out. What I would worked out this route to take us out to um, Creswick and back on some trails, but. I kind of talked him into maybe just running on the dirt roads a bit more. We had a decent group. Um, a few of the guys turned back early, and then we we ended up rolling. I mean, not like Brad, you run fast on your easy and long run. So when I say we got rolling, it was certainly not like how you get rolling. Um, but compared to our normal long run, we we started to run fast back on the trails up the hills and. Uh, got 36 in, which was really good because I felt quite good at the end. And then um, uh, what happened? Oh, yeah, in the afternoon. So I, I was pretty cooked after that, actually. And then during the day, it just felt worse and worse. And we ended up, got talked into, or not talked into, but decided to go for an afternoon run. And we leave from Mona's house. And um, he, he, I, he, wants, he wanted to show me a new loop. And... Um, I thought, oh, okay, cool. Well, as long as it's not too long, about half an hour. And uh, he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, it should be 5 or 6K. Perfect. And then we're out running and I'm thinking, I don't really know where we are at the moment, but it doesn't seem like we're 
in the right area. And I look down at my watch and we're at 26 minutes. And then I see this big shopping center that is at least four kilometers away from where we need to be. <laughs> and think, and me and Berkey and Watto are all just cooked from the morning where we did a hard 36K run. And we want nothing more than just to go home. And we realize we have 4K left on a Sunday afternoon. It's getting dark. It was dark later after that. And about two minutes later, Mono pings his calf. So he's no good. He's done and um, has to walk home. And we're just there kind of cursing for the next 15 minutes. Uh, you know, it's those runs. 15 minutes doesn't sound like a lot, but when you're supposed to be finished 15 minutes ago, it's the last thing you want to be doing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. An but exclusive on Mona as well. Done a, done a calf, did you yeah. say? Oh, yeah. Done a, oh, he's been struggling with a calf since Gold Coast. Right. Julian, with your Sunday afternoon runs, like I've always sort of wanted to get into doing that after a, you know a long Sunday morning, but like, do you reckon the benefits outweigh the risk of sort of running again on really top on like I know for a marathon you want to get used to running on tired legs, but do you reckon that there's a increased injury risk of doing it? I think there is if you don't take it really easy. So. Like, again, I probably look at your runs and go 4.10. There is, I couldn't have run a kilometre that day probably under 4.35 or that night. And I treat it like it's, it's a recovery session for me. So it's not an aerobic workout. It's not a, oh, let's run on, let's run while we're depleted, don't eat anything during the day. It's purely about getting the legs turning over so I can feel better for the next morning. Um, and at the start, I really questioned it and thought, you guys are just trying to bank mileage. That's all you're doing. But then I went out one day and the first two kilometers, I was like, I'm thinking, this is the dumbest thing I've ever done. I feel awful. But by the finish, I've got all this movement through my legs again. My hips feel like I've got more range and I've just got a lot more pop in my step than when I, when I left. So... I, I really like it. I've been converted because I was really doubtful on them. But I, it's, I think you just need to do it like you need to look at it as I'm not going to get fitter from this run, but it's going to help me to, for tomorrow. Yeah. I probably need to slow down about 60% of my runs. Well, really. I mean, you're getting away with it. You're doing well still. <laughs> yeah. I guess that's it. Once it starts to affect my sessions, I'll probably go, well, something needs to change. But. Yeah, it's not, exactly. I think, uh, yeah, I, I don't think you need to worry too much. Good stuff, fellas. Good solid weeks. That's, um, yeah, both in a, in a good spot going forward. And tell yep. us about your win yesterday, Brady. Yeah, I'll start with Monday. So Monday still had that kind of dodgy 2 out of 10 kind of knee pain that I was talking about last week. Kind of wasn't slowing me down or wasn't super painful, but you know when you can just feel something's just kind of not right so um i ran through like i did 12k just with our Jono's run kind of team that was going down to run melbourne and beautiful evening like you could smell that spring in the air from the from the plants and stuff and it a bit lighter so we could hit some trails up rather than being on the footpaths and yeah that was good but as i said still kind of felt that annoyance in the in the knee and then um tuesday I so this was my easier week so intentionally we just had some strides so I kind of warmed up and put the racing flats on and I think it was seven by 200 meters and didn't feel the knee at all in the warm-up and thought this is good did the strides and then after the strides I could just feel that annoying kind of two out of three or two out of ten kind of pain again and thought no nah, I've got to do something about this now it was kind of that was Thursday to Tuesday and usually my rule is like if it still hurts those kind of niggles don't go away after four or five days. Just start taking them a bit serious. So um, pulled the pin on everything on Wednesday. So just I was in a meeting out of town about an hour away and it was just one of those days where I just sat down and had a sore back from sitting in this conference all day and I was just in a kind of pretty ordinary mood. Um, and then, yeah, just decided the last thing I wanted to do was run. So I thought I'll give it the opportunity to have a day off and booked in to see the physio and my masseuse on the on the Thursday because I was off work so they were good to kind of get me straight in and took uh yeah took the Wednesday off we only had a 15k jog in so I wasn't too um 
too shattered about missing that. So uh, Wednesday, uh, Thursday morning, I just thought I'd go out and jog for 6K just before I went to the physio to kind of tell him a current update. I didn't want to tell him what it felt like Tuesday when I hadn't ran since then. So I just went out and did 6K, um, pretty conservative, kind of at 420K pace. And I felt out of sync because I didn't run, kind of what you were saying before, Brad, after having a day off. you It's funny, I kind of... You always got to teach yourself to run again. I know it sounds weird, but it just felt a bit unnatural. But um, yeah, felt a bit out of sync, but at the same time, absolutely no pain at all, which was good. Um, was in at the physio at 8 a.m., so he was really good. Pat, my physio, he, I think it's a good thing about living in a small town. It's one of the real big advantages that your physio and your masseuse and all those people already know your story. So you don't have to worry about going in and trying to explain that, you know, you run this amount of Ks a week and you've got a marathon coming up and not so much you've got to sell yourself and try to get them engaged into your story. They kind of already know it because you're kind of um, a tight-knit community. And here's the physio for the footy club that I do a bit of um, running stuff with. So we kind of had a good relationship um, as it was and we kind of uh, just got into it and he identified what was wrong and, I don't know what the muscle's called. I don't know any muscles. Well, not a few, the main ones, but I don't know what which one he was talking about. But he was saying up in my hip, one of my abductors wasn't tracking right. And when it was going through the inside of my knee, it was just kind of rubbing. So he loosened everything up and um, got that sorted and then had a massage uh, about three hours after that physio and he was good as well. Kind of gave him the information from the physio and he just went even deeper and put the hips back in place and... Yeah, it was kind of good just to almost, I got the scare and got it sorted and then got over it. Like it was, it was good just to get over that really quick and not have it hang around. And then in the afternoon, I just went for 15K, kind of making up for that 15K jog I had missed and just felt 100% better. Still in a bit out of sync, but I just felt yeah no pain whatsoever. Um, and what he put it down to was, can you guys remember I mentioned... Must have been last Tuesday night. It was really rainy and just got absolutely drenched. And um, my shoes were still wet. And usually I run in two pairs of shoes, but I don't know. It's a bit of a bit of a message in this story. But um, I don't know where my second pair was, my Brooks Adrenalines. They must have been outside or in another wardrobe or something. But I just, it was six o'clock in the morning on last Wednesday morning. And I just grabbed an old pair of my Lunar Glides. And they had my heel lifts in there from when I had a dodgy Achilles. And I just put them on and ran in them and um, he pretty much reckons that would have changed my biomechanics that I just wasn't used to having the heel lifts in and an old pair of shoes and it would have put me out of sync in that in that left um, hip flexor. So um, the coach was pretty quick to tell me to chuck those shoes out so I don't have to run in them again in my life and make the same mistake. But um, yeah, it was a good little learning, learning curve that day. Um, Friday I was feeling feeling good again so just went out did 10k in the morning just tried to test that knee out and just rolled at kind of 315k uh 415k pace which is which is good for me i know when i can jog at 415 that i'm feeling reasonably fresh and then uh friday night was a bit of a tester i just wanted to make sure i could do something fast and it wouldn't um crack this knee kind of again and just did 10 minute 10 by one minutes on and one minute float pretty conservative tried to keep the one minutes just under three minute k pace and the the one minute floats at about 3.30 and ended up with 6.3k, averaging about 3.09s, which was good and a good confidence booster. And then, um, yeah, what did I do? Oh, I was in Melbourne Sunday morning, so um, I was down at the dietitian doing my skin folds on um, Saturday morning at 9 o'clock, so left Chuka at about 5.30 and then um, just went a couple of laps around the tan, which is boring after you do the first one. Like, everyone bangs on about how good it is running around the tan, but... Yeah, it doesn't do much for me. There's too many people down there. It's just, um, yeah, a bit of a different world when you come from a town where you don't see many runners at all. And then, um, yeah, run Melbourne yesterday. So did a 9K warm-up, which was good. So I kind of was staying straight next to uh, Flagstaff Garden. So got up pretty early. I wanted to get up kind of two hours before the race start, which was at 7, and get a bit of brekkie in and a coffee and just kind of practice all those one percenters, just give myself enough time did 7K and some drills and some strides around Flagstaff Garden there. It was kind of a K loop, I think, probably the block there, and that was good. And then um, went back to the Airbnb and got my got my race kit on and then, 
yeah, pretty much fanged it down King Street. I kind of rolled two k's from from our Airbnb down to King down to the start line, and um, at this stage it was like six thirty, so everyone's rolling out of nightclubs and cops are everywhere and people coming out of strippers and all kinds of stuff. And here I am, like just going three thirty k pace just on the footpaths, which was um an interesting sign when you're running down a street in a charity singlet and um yeah you're coming across a whole different world. And then um, got to the start line, and you never know. We've run Melbourne like it's the last couple of years. It's been well. I won it last year, pretty pretty easy. And then um, yeah, there's been on the winners list. There's a few few decent names. I know Nate Hardigan's kind of won it before, and maybe Ashkett or Deneen or someone like that. Like there's a few half decent names that have rocked up in the past, and this year was their tenth year. So um, I got an email probably three or four months ago saying that. If you're a past winner, we're going to give you free entry. And I knew, um, I wasn't sure. I kind of thought, well, I wonder if this is going to, you know, get, there could have been realistically nine other guys who had won it before on the same start line, which was probably not going to happen. But in a nutshell, probably, you know, it could have been an opportunity to have a have a pretty good race, but got to the start line and um, had a quick look around and kind of noticed that there was no one there that was probably going to run under 70 minutes. And then um, the plan with my coach was to try and run three fifteens and run it even. Um, and then, yeah, kind of went to the front after about, I don't know, 50 metres and found myself in front, ran the first K in 3.07 and it felt like I was jogging and then kind of held, you know, three tens, probably three eights, three twelves through, through for the first 10K and it felt really smooth and... The first half of the course is pretty good, pretty flat. And, um, yeah, just almost thought, thought my watch was kind of not picking up a GPS right because I was I just I didn't feel like I should have been running under 310s or kind of 310 pace through there. And I was trying to back off and remember it was a half marathon. And, um, yeah, then that just kind of it went pear shape a bit. It kind of after 10K, you work your way up past the or you will go past down the shrine and then you've got to do a yui and come back up that hill again similar to the melbourne marathon which isn't much fun and i actually uh i got a memory back to your podcast brad when you said just stop looking at your watch and just kind of run on feel so i um yeah i was kind of playing this game with myself where i was i was counting how many seconds i had my watch set to k splits which i don't know if i'll do that again anytime soon but um you know, I'd kind of run under three. I might run a 3.13 and then I'd say, right, well, you've got two seconds up your sleeve and then you run a 3.10. And I was kind of got to a stage where I think I was, you know, probably 27 seconds above, uh, below where I needed to be. And then I just found they started to start run a couple 3.17s and 18s through kind of the streets and a few, few U-turns. And I was letting the watch tell me how I felt instead of running on feel. And realistically, I was running kind of a 3.18 with maybe a U-turn and a hill and then get myself down that it wasn't a 3.15 and feeling like I was losing time. So from about 14K onwards, I just stopped looking at my watch and just ran on feel and kind of I, that. That's the, at that stage, we kind of did a bit of a Yui where you could see who was behind you and um, Sam Crowther was behind me at one stage, but the gap was probably about two minutes and I just remembered that our goal was to try and you know run that pace, but in saying that, be able to train this week. So um. Like, for example, going down Anderson Street, pretty steep there. I kind of just backed off trying not to stuff my quads up. And, um, yeah, in, in hindsight, when I looked at my splits, they, were, they weren't much over 315, the ones I wasn't looking at. And then, yeah, finished off, felt all right. But um, it just kind of, there was just a bit of doubt crept in. Like, I even approaching the finish line when I knew I didn't, um, I knew... I wasn't looking at the watch and I kind of thought, because oh, I ran 70.30, or no, 70.15 I think last year and I thought, nah, this isn't going to be quicker than last year. I'd probably, you know, be prepared to see a 71 dead or a 71 low. So then I was quite surprised when it was kind of 69.15ish when I kind of got into the finishing straight and yeah, finished in 69.29. Um, so for a for a time trial kind of half marathon on a twisty turny course with u-turns and just annoying kind of hills more than anything nothing super steep it was it was a really positive um result on paper but i'm yeah i'm probably i've learned a lot about my mindset like i've got to not beat myself up when things aren't going well because at the end of the day that was a half marathon and there's going to be 
bigger demons in eight weeks' time when you've gone through, you know, the 30K mark of a marathon. So, um, yeah, it was a good positive experience. We had 211 people down there fundraising. Um, we raised, well, we're up to $65,000 and counting for our fundraiser. So, um, it's like, yeah, we go down there, there's people from Echukamoama and just, it's like our Christmas, like seeing so many people, you know, we raise money for people with a disability in town, but there's, um, you know, we have a few people who use the service, come down and do the run or the walk, and there's kind of five-year-old, you know, it's probably younger, there's probably three-year-old kids that get pushed in the pram, and there's a few elderly people as well, and it's just such a good event for our community to get around. Um, so, yeah, very positive there. Did a 4K uh, warm down with Crammers and Chris, two other guys I knew, two pretty close mates, and um, and felt, felt it right there. Didn't feel the knee at all, and then... um. Yeah, made the long trip back to Echuca and uh, just got out for 7K last night. And as Julian was saying before, the first two or three Ks were, I think the first K for me was like maybe 5.10. And I very rarely bang out the first K in 5.10. But then you just start loosening up and you just feel feel better and better towards the end. So my week was uh, maybe 120K, which was kind of what we're after for a recovery week. And yeah, kind of ticked the box. Getting over that knee, as I said, Wednesday I wasn't sure if I'd be able to race or not. If it, because I didn't really want to race if it was a two out of ten pain, and then stepping into a half marathon and making it a four out of ten pain, and then missing a week or possibly more, it just wasn't going to be worth it. So, um, yeah, it was. I'm very happy sitting here now, knowing that that knee's gone away and I've hit a solid week. Good. It looks like yeah. look that. I mean, that course just looks like the worst course I've ever seen. So it's a pretty good run on that course. Yeah, the first the first half's good. Like The first half, you can bank some time, which is why I didn't do it intentionally, but it just flows better. Like, you can just hit those. I was trying to back off, and you're kind of hitting 312s, 310s, and they just seem to flow. And then all of a sudden in that second half, it's like it's hard to keep them under 320. And then I think I was getting a bit negative going, come on, you can't even hold your marathon pace here. But then... In hindsight, like, and as I went kind of 45 seconds quicker than last year, and that was eight weeks before Berlin last year, and I went on to run, you know, 2.21. So I'm sitting here going, okay, that's, yeah, yeah, that's manageable. That's a good sign. I'm not doing as much work as I did last year, so, but I'm feeling better. Like, it, less is more is definitely um, something I'm banking on working for me this time around. Yeah, uh, you'll find, you'll find Berlin. I mean, that course, I'm just looking at it and I'm thinking, why do they do that? And then why are they doing this? And what's the point of this bit? And it just looks like a whole bunch of jibber-jabber yeah. of a course. Yeah, look, the course <laughs> and the race itself does amazing things for charity and gives you the opportunity to raise money for the charity of your choice. And that fundraising component is fantastic, but it's not a course where you can run fast on. And even there was a couple of examples, like we were coming down – St Kilda Road at one stage and I think they maybe had uh, I'm not yeah don't quote me but there might have been two lanes shut so then they had bollards down the middle so that one the half marathons at the 7k mark were going one way and then we were coming the opposite way at uh, maybe 15 16k but because you're hitting the masses those masses are no one's coming towards them because the winners haven't come through yet. So they're running on both sides of the road and then the lead bike's kind of going down, screaming kind of, move to your left, move to your left or move to your right or whatever it was. And here I am kind of like nearly hitting the back tyre and it's just like little things like that and you're like, and then, you know, you see you split and you see 320 and you're like, well, that's because I was hitting the back of a bike and um, trying not to get... Or trying not to get taken out, I suppose. I wouldn't be taking too many people out, but just a few kind of sketchy things like that. Yeah. And even... Also um, th- oh, sorry, Brad. I also think, like, just just brought it up now, just have a look at your splits. Like, you, you, you know, assuming the Garmin, you know, was accurate, like, you've gone through the first 5K in 1545. So, yeah. like, it's not it's not messing around. And, and like, I'm pretty sure that if, if you had actually just you know, put a, put a leash on yourself a little bit for the first five, you probably would have actually closed pretty well. Like, cause that's, that's quick. 15 yeah. to 45 through, through 5k. Yeah. And that was accurate because, um, they had the K markers there. So like I was almost looking through going, ah, oh, this isn't going to be right. But then when the K markers were matching up with the, with the Garmin, I was like, okay, maybe this is accurate. And then I thought I was going to have a blinder. Like I got to 
five or six K going, I might run 66 or 67 here and kind of float it in. But yeah, that yeah. did come back to bite me um, definitely. And it's we've been trialling. Last week I intentionally had Monday to Friday no caffeine. So um, just I only usually have one coffee in the morning. I think we've spoken about it before. But I just took that out for the week just to no one kind of advised me. I've read a bit here and there, but I don't think there's any solid evidence to say it works. But then... Um, yeah, it had the kind of double shot um, espresso in the morning when I got up at five and then the no-dos kind of 25 minutes before. And talking to my dietitian, we probably think that was why that perceived effort um, was that caffeine effect through the early stages that it felt so comfortable because it, um, yeah, and that was, you know, even that second K was 312 and that was over Collins Street. Like if you've done run for the kids before and come down Collins Street, like that was a, a nice kind of you get a good downhill after it but it was a, a bit of a climb coming out of um past crown casino and then left into collins next to spencer there so um yeah it was i think i probably went a bit too hard early but and that was wasn't a probably bad thing to go a bit hard early and get myself even more tired and then um yeah. trying to hold that marathon pace on a dodgy course when you are tired off a fast 5k yeah like that's definitely one thing i'm going to try and do over the next six or seven weeks is like those marathon specific sessions, like actually just trying to stick to marathon pace, even though it's even though I can run far. Still there, Brad? Brad's gone. Brad's gone. Game of Thrones just kicked in. <laughs> Government's cut him off. <laughs> oh, okay. That's that could a, be a time. That's yeah. exactly what we need. We said we we're going to finish at seven thirty and at seven twenty nine. That's um, that's all good. Well, see you, Brad. All the best to you, Julian. <laughs> yeah, mate. Well, are, um, are you doing we'll that talk. same? Are you doing Wednesday, Sunday for a hard week? Yeah, yeah. I've got a trail race on this Sunday. Oh, that's it. Where's that at? Um, Dunkeld in the Grampians. Yeah, so that's that one. That'll be really nice. Beautiful, mate. Well, you stay injury free. Um, I'll just sign off with you because I've got no idea where Brad's gone. <laughs> all right, mate. Hey, Good what about just you before you go? You got the shoes coming tomorrow? You got your, you got your pair? Uh, unsure at the moment. Oh, unsure. So you know what you said about the um, four percenters? Yeah, so just to fill in Showing. the listeners, I went to, yeah, I went to, uh, I was walking past the Nike, uh, what's that, Central, what's it called? Melbourne Central, Melbourne yeah. Central at Nike there, and I thought I'll pop in here. I was still in like my tracksuit and my Adidas, Adidas boost kind of shoes from the race. Like I didn't have another pair to jog jog home in and I thought I'll just stick in here and I'll check them out and have a bit of a chat. And yeah, the guy there was kind of giving me, I kind of told him what um what kind of pace I'm running and Berlin was coming up and stuff. And the more I said, the more interested he got. And then, um yeah, he started telling me 11 pairs. He said, he said, they're getting 11 pairs. Maybe Chadson's getting 11 pairs and the employee store was getting, you know, so many pairs as well. But he reckons there's only 100 in Australia and um, yeah. they're just doing this supply-demand thing. He said it's just marketing. If they get heaps sitting in the shelf, people are going to not want them. And, yeah, it's just, just filter them in. Well, I, I talked to someone who um, has was – friends with the uh, Melbourne Central store today who was trying to line me up a pair. Oh, well, I had to be there anyway to get them. But yeah. um, And he said that they hadn't even arrived yet. So <laughs> yeah. they don't know where they are. So that's going to be the big, uh, the big um, surprise packet is, is tomorrow if they, got, if they actually received them yet or not. Yeah, because that's what he said to me. He's like, mate, get here, like, you know, we'll open at, I don't know, nine or whatever. Get here at seven, line up, and you'll be able to get your eight and a half. And I'm like, mate, I live three hours away. I'm not going to drive down to Melbourne to, to chase a pair of these shoes. But where the the people missing out are the elite marathon runners or the sub-elite kind of guys, the people who want to get a performance out of these shoes. Because he was pretty much saying that people will collect these or people will get in and buy them and then put them online or put them on eBay or collect them and put them in a box somewhere and kind of... Like no one want, no one's buying, or not many people are probably buying them to be able to run sub two twenty marathons yeah. in. But it is just the initial drop that is going to be tightly held because come the first of October, that's when every that's when the the, the, the specialty stores will get their hands on. Yeah. So that's when like stores like ours and then um, 
Uh, like I was speaking to Andy Allison today, so they're going to get theirs, Runner's Edge and Tassie, they're going to get some in October. So it's going to open up. It's just that they always do this to start off with. Um, you can, I mean, I've got, I know some people in Australia that have already got them when they had purchased them online for, with the initial drop. So there was an initial drop where they released them on Nike.com and they, um, they sold out very quickly, but it was, it, it, there was a chance you could have got them. Yeah, right. Because, yeah, because I did Google it and just have a look at the Nike store and it said it was like kind of all sold out and stuff. But, um, yeah, I was interested to interested to hear your thoughts on that. Hey, Brad's back, yeah. I think. Yeah, I'm back. What happened? No, we're, we're just, we're going, I'm going to watch Game of Thrones. Anyway, Carly's looking at me through this door going, you said 7.30. So we just thought that'd be a good spot to, good spot to stop. And, um, yeah, no, she's not looking happy. I've got to go in a second. But we'll just have a quick chat about those Nike shoes that are getting dropped tomorrow. Oh, okay. Yeah, so they're coming. 11 pairs. <laughs> 11 pairs. Hey, on other news, though, I went to that we Nike factory rough. outlet, 40% off, just the day I was there. Cleaned up. Yeah. Game of I'm going. Bye. Bye, boys. See you later. Wish me luck. Bye. See you, pals. Have a good week. Yeah. My heart beats slow. It's important to know that my heart beats slow. Like there's nowhere to go. My heart beats slow where the sun shines snow. It's the bread to my dough. It's love dark and I don't know. Saying hey.
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 